Well, last week as we kicked off this series called Breakthrough, uh, we were kind of looking at the concept that everybody needs a breakthrough. Everybody feels stuck someplace. Everybody feels defeated somewhere. Um, everybody feels overwhelmed someplace in life. Everybody's at a point where they need a breakthrough. You need a spiritual breakthrough. You maybe need an emotional or a mental, whatever it is. You need a relationship breakthrough, right? Everybody needs a breakthrough. And if you don't need one now, you're going to need one. And so last week we started off and we said, look, the foundation for spiritual breakthrough in your life is knowing who you are. You remember that question from last week? Who are you? That was a big question. You thought it was easy at the beginning, but then you realized, wow, that is a big question. And we discovered that, look, you, you, are, not, you are not just your accomplishments, you, you are not just your experiences in life, you are not just what your hobbies are. You are something grander than all of those things. In fact, God says this is who you are. You are saved by grace. You are a child of God. You are a friend of Jesus, walking in the freedom of the Holy Spirit. That is who you are. Amen? Right? That's a whole different level of who you are than you trying to define when you graduated from high school or how long you've been married or how many kids you have. Who you are is a deep spiritual question that if you don't get that right, then the foundation to see spiritual breakthrough in your life is not going to happen. Today, though, I want to build on that. This whole series, I'm going to keep building on what are the principles that you need in your life if you want to see spiritual breakthrough. And today, the second one is this. You have to believe the promises of God. God has promises. God gives promises, and you and me are going to have to find out what those promises are, and then we're going to have to hang on to them. And you're going to see what I mean by that today in today's message in a really clear way. We, though, we tend to make a lot of promises to one another. Have you ever gone out to coffee with a friend, and then uh, they, they, they paid for the coffee, and you said, that, you said to them this, like, hey, I promise I'll pay for coffee next time. You guys, you guys remember that one? Have you, have you ever done that one? How about this? You've been in a hurry. You've been rushing through a store. You run into a friend, and you say to them, I promise I'll call you later. Yeah. Right? You ever been in a place where you went out to lunch with some friends, and all of a sudden you realize, uh, hey, I don't have any money. Can I borrow 20 bucks? And they give you 20 bucks, and you say to them, I'll, I promise I'll pay you soon. You guys know, you guys know what I'm talking about? Right? You ever been close to a family member as you've been traveling on a road trip someplace, but you didn't go and visit them, and you, you, you felt a little guilty, and so you gave them a call, and you said, I promise the next time I'm close to you, I'll stop and I'll see you. Have you guys ever made those kind of promises before? See, see the, the problem with our promises is that our promises really aren't promises. Our promises tend to be kind words shared between one person and another one you know and if someone makes a promise like what i just said to you you don't really expect them to fulfill that promise i mean it's kind of like we say kind words to each other in this way but we're, we're not expecting that can you imagine what it would be like if we lived in a world where all of a sudden you got a phone call and you were like hey you remember you said you would promise to buy coffee well i'm ready for that coffee <laughs> hey you, 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 were a, you were one state over from me, and you didn't come and visit me. You promised you would come and visit me. Hey, uh, you know that 20 bucks I gave you? I need that 20 bucks, and I need it right now. I'm coming by your house. Like, what if we, if we lived in that kind of a world, it would be a very, 
a very interesting world. And the reason is because many of the promises that we make, we don't really intend to keep. But on a very serious note, there's some of you that have been deeply wounded by promises that have been broken to you. Yeah, I thought we married for life. I thought that we married one another and that you know, we were going to be faithful to one another and now you've gone and you've cheated on me. Right? Hey, you promised that you were going to stop drinking. Man, now I'm wounded. Right? Hey, hey Mr. Boss, you said that my job was secure and, and now I'm getting laid off. What's up with that? Hey, Mr. Counselor, Mr. Pastor, you said this was a safe place for me to come and share, and now all of my secrets are spread out all over town. It's not an amen. There's no amen there. That's wounded. That's hurting people. Right? Hey, you said you loved me. Dot, dot, dot. You said you loved me? Have you ever been caught in one of those moments where any of those kinds of promises have wounded you? Unfortunately, unfortunately, many of us have made those promises. Unfortunately, we've been both on the promising side and the receiving side. And it's not a good place to be, but that's the world that we live in. Our human nature is this. Our human nature is to go, look, hey, look, you made a promise to me and you didn't fulfill that promise now I don't trust you, and there's good reason for that. In fact, Ecclesiastes 5.5 5 says it this way. It says it's better to say nothing than to make a promise and not to keep it. That's some heavy words. Basically, there's another place in Scripture that says this. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Meaning, look, don't open your big mouth and say something that you can't fulfill. In fact, in, in business a lot of times, there's a lot of businesses that will talk in this manner and, and they'll say this, look, let's not, let's not over-promise and under-deliver. If you want to drive a customer away from your business, then over-promise and under-deliver. Right? It would always be better for you to say it's going to be worse and it comes in better. And in our lives, we've been wounded by one another, and unfortunately, we brought that and we've laid that upon God, and we said, well, if we treat each other that way, that must be how God treats us. And that God, if God has promises, I'm not sure that God actually keeps his promise. And here's the reason why, because maybe you're like, hey, look, God didn't heal my friend. God, you didn't restore my marriage. God, you didn't provide for me when I was in a very serious time of need. God, you didn't answer prayers. God, you didn't protect. God, I thought you made these promises, but now my life is a living hell. Now I'm going through these devastating moments. Now I have lost people and things that I really have loved. And we think that that is the way that God handles life because we tend to treat each other that way. But I want you to listen to what the Bible says about God's promises in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 9. It says this, but you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. Okay, this meaning like, look, hey, what I'm getting ready to say to you is very important. All right? A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. Can I just pause for a second? 
some people have just taken that completely out of context and they've tried to discern like how long the earth is in existence because you know one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like one day and they've got themselves all wrapped up in this mathematic equation and can I just say if that's you let it go just let it go all right let it go because here's what he's really trying to get to he's trying to help you understand the timing of his promises and he says the lord isn't really being slow about his promises as some people think that's all he's trying to do he's just trying to let you know your timing isn't god's timing your ways aren't god's ways What you think God should do is not what God tends to do. When you think God should respond is not when God tends to respond. God's timing is different than your timing, but that doesn't mean God doesn't fulfill his promises. That's the important thing that we have to remember. Just because it doesn't seem like God's moving at the time you think he ought to doesn't mean that God says one thing and does another. But for you to experience breakthrough in your life, then you're going to have to start trusting in the promises of God, that, never, that God never breaks his promise, that God never overpromises. But God will come through at just the right moment. So to help you grasp this today, okay, to help you see a spiritual breakthrough in your life by holding on to the promises of God, I wanted to take you to a classic passage of Scripture that I think really highlights for us what happens with God's promise and our timing. And I want to use this to try to help overlay on top of our lives today so that maybe, just maybe, you might grab a hold of the promises of God today in such a way that you hang on to them for, with, your, with dear life, Believing that, God, you can, uh, you can see me through whatever I'm facing. And that, that illustration today comes straight from God's word. It's found in the book of Mark. Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 41. Okay, so if you got a Bible, open it up. Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 41. If not, look on the screens with me. It says this. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and they started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But, a su- but, but soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and they began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples, they woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? But when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the waves. He said, silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked his disciples, why are you afraid? Do you still not have any faith? And the disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the winds and the waves, they obey him. So we're talking about the promises of God. And in this scripture, there was a promise that Jesus gave. Did you catch the promise? Okay, the promise was found in verse 35. So if you didn't catch it, I want to go back to the beginning. Verse 35, it says, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, here's the promise. Jesus promised the disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. That's the promise. See, so many times, the promises of God go in one ear and they go right out our other one. 
And that's exactly what happened for the disciples that day. For them, they were accustomed to being on the lake. This was their job. Before following Jesus, they were fishermen. They had been on this lake both nights and day. They had been on this lake day after day after day, night after night after night. They knew this lake like the back of their hand. And for them, they just thought that the routine of life was just going to be the routine that we were going to hop in the boat and we were going to go to the other side of the lake. Which, by the way, I've been to the Sea of Galilee, and when you're on one side, you can see to the other side. It's not that big, but it does sit below sea level. And because it sits below sea level, then the storms that are raging over here at the the Mediterranean, they come rushing in up and over the mountains, and they come slamming down into the Sea of Galilee. And you can get some pretty brutal waves starting to happen at the Sea of Galilee as storms start raging. And it's just the topography and the way that the, the winds work and winds coming off of uh, off the ocean and over the mountains and how they just kind of rush into that, that place. And so they had experienced even storms in the past, but this moment they had forgot the promise. The promise went in one year and it went out the other. And the promise was this. Jesus said, let's go to the other side. See, one of our problems is that we forget the promises of God all the time. In fact, we believe that the promises of God are actually provisional, meaning this. Well, the promises of God are for someone else, not for me. That God likes this other person more than he likes me, and therefore the promises of God are fulfilled in their life more than they are mine. And I just want you to know today that God's promises are not provisional in the sense of that he likes you more than he likes someone else. But I will say this about God's promises. God will hold on to his promises and wait for you to align with him before releasing those promises in your life. So today, if you're walking outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ, you just need to know that today, some of God's promises are on hold until you align with him. So in my life, as an example, I I was in a service like this. I was sitting up in the balcony, um, and I was called to ministry at the age of 15. And at 15 years old, I knew without a shadow of a doubt God called me to ministry. But I started running the opposite direction. I wanted nothing to do with that. I'm running away from God for six years of my life, running away from God. I get into some deep, dark sin. I am way out there, right? I mean, my whole life is hanging by a thread When I surrendered my life to Jesus at 3 o'clock in the morning in Bellevue, Nebraska, in that apartment, Jesus met me in that moment, and he shows up and he goes, welcome home, son. Don't forget the call that I have on your life because it never changes. See, some people think that the promises of God are provisional and that somehow my sin is going to work me to a place where now God doesn't love me and God's never going to minister to my life ever again. And I just want you to know, you can't sin your way out of the love of God. That the love of God keeps chasing you. He keeps following you. He keeps hunting you down. So it doesn't matter who you are today. It just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how far you've gone. It doesn't matter what your life looks. It doesn't matter how much you think your life stinks right now. It doesn't matter how much you tried to walk in late, sit in the back, and try to escape early. I want you to know today, Jesus loves you. And he hasn't given up on you. Right? Because I know what it feels like. I know what the promises of God feel like when you've walked so far away that you're not even sure. Because I, my, my prayer to God was this, if you will. Take me back. 
if you will. I know what that if you will God feels like. I know that, guys. And I just want you to know today that God waits with his promises faithfully until we line up with him and then something amazing happens. But the problem is that the disciples, like many of us today, the disciples didn't trust the promise of God. They didn't trust the promise of Jesus. And so when the storm starts raging around them, they start freaking out. And that's what you see, like Mark 4, 37, right? But as soon as the fierce storm came up, high waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. And what did the disciples say to Jesus? They woke him up, and they said, don't you care that we're going to drown? That was their words. Jesus, don't you care? Right? And it's because that they, they had forgot. They had forgot the promise of God. Here's what we got to remember. It was evening when the storm came up. But it was night, guys, when they're experiencing this. Right? So here's these fishermen, right? This fierce storm, this is what the Bible tells us, a fierce storm. Waves are breaking into the boat. The boat's filling with water. And, and these guys, though, they got tons of experience on the lake. I get it. Right? And they know now. They know. Hey, look, we are in a bad spot. Like, that's one of the things. Like, they had experience to know this. Sometimes we walk through life, we don't even have experience to even gauge how bad is this situation. It just feels bad. Like, I got bit by a mosquito and it's the end of the world. Bad. You ever got, been in that situation? I got a scratch and I got to go to the emergency. Bad, right? Like, you don't know what bad is, okay? And, and so these guys, though, they know what it is. They know that this storm is bad. And can I stop for a moment in this, in this uh, biblical text and just make sure that you know what the storm is? The storm is the breakthrough that you're looking for, but you're caught in right now, and it feels chaotic and crazy, and it feels like you might even drown in it. It feels like you may not come out of this storm, that whatever it is that you're facing feels like the storm that the disciples are facing, where your life is filling with water, your life is filling with pain, like your, your life is, is like out of control right now, and you're saying to Jesus the very same thing the disciples said to him, don't you care? Have your prayers sounded like that this past week, this past month? Maybe this past year? Like, don't you care? This is what's interesting to me. In the midst of them wondering if Jesus cared, in verse 38, it says that Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on the cushion. Let me, let me just, like, break that down for a minute. In the midst of the storm that the disciples, who were well-educated at, you know, being on a boat in the middle of a lake, That in the midst of that storm, where they felt like they were going to die, where there was no hope, and they weren't going to make it through at all, Jesus wasn't panicking. Jesus was actually asleep. Now, you might go, well, that's not right. He shouldn't be asleep. He should have been up helping us, which is what the disciples' attitude was. But, but this, can we just step back from it for a moment? If my life is going through a storm where it seems so bad that I'm not sure I'm going to make it, and Jesus is asleep right beside me, I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to make it. I think they forgot who's in the boat. 
And sometimes your storm seems so great, like there is no solution for it. But Jesus, it hasn't even rocked him. And it's not because he doesn't care. It's because he knows the promise. And the promise was, you're going to the other side. The promise for you today is this, you're going to see a breakthrough. Jesus, it might feel like he's not answering, but he's there with you. See, because that's the obvious. Isn't the, isn't the obvious the thing that we tend to overlook the most? The obvious was this. Jesus is still in the boat, guys. Now, I would totally freak out if I'm in the middle of the lake and water's coming into my boat and Jesus was in the boat with me when we started the journey and now I see Jesus walking on the water but not toward me. <laughs> that's when you start freaking out. When you turn around and you're like, he was just there. Look, he's over there. Everyone bail, right? I mean, it's a bad moment. It's a bad moment. But Jesus was in the boat with them, guys. That's the important part. That's the important part. So I don't know where you're at in the middle of your storm, but Jesus is in the boat with you. So sir, right, or ma'am, you're at a point where it seems like there's no hope, and you're, you're wondering, should you even hang on to life? Should you even hang on anymore? Should you fight any longer? I just want you to know today, Jesus has not abandoned you. He's in the boat. You're in a marriage, and you're ready to throw in the towel, and this doesn't seem like it's ever going to work. Listen to me. Jesus is in the boat with you. He hasn't abandoned you. And if he hasn't abandoned you, then you don't abandon the storm because breakthrough is on the backside of the storm. Breakthrough is on the backside of when you feel like your life can't make it another moment. That's when breakthrough happens. And many times, God allows our faith to be built in that moment. Will you trust me all the way through the storm? Because at the last moment, yes, I do have the authority. And yes, if I have to exercise it, I will. I will stand up and I will speak to those waves and I'll speak to that wind. And I'll say, be calm. And Jesus can do the very same thing in your heart. He can do the very same thing in your mind. He can do the very same thing for you spiritually. That's what we see right here. And that's why you see this radical difference between, you know, the disciples responding in verse 38. You know, teacher, don't you care that we're, be, that we're drowning versus Jesus' response. Sometimes, guys, sometimes we got to hang on to, to the words of Jesus and we got to hang on to his word like it's a piece uh, like it's a piece of wood at drift at the, in the ocean and all you have to hang on to is this. Can, can I just hypothetically tell you this today? That even if the disciples got to the middle of the lake and the storm was so great and the waves were so crazy and the water was so like, ridiculous and it seemed like they were going to drown, that the boat broke into a hundred pieces, can I say this to you? That even if the boat broke into a hundred pieces, they're still making it to the other side. Why? Because Jesus said it. So in your life, your life, it could be, it could be that everything falls apart. All the wheels fall off the tricycle, the marriage falls apart, it ends up in divorce, right? You, you could end up in a place where, man, you, you, go, you go through three jobs, you keep losing them. You could get to a point where it's at the most despair you have ever felt before. Can I just say this to you? If you'll hang on to one promise of God, like it's a piece of driftwood off of the boat, you hang on to it, Jesus is going to see you through to the other side. He's just going to do that. But you got to hang on to it. 
You've got to hang on to it like it's everything you got. And sometimes all you have is one scripture. Sometimes that's all you got. Sometimes all you have is one whisper that keeps echoing in your head and in your heart that comes from prayer. That's all you got. And you're hanging on to it. And the waves are bouncing you all over the place. And all you have is that. And then you come into church and all of a sudden there's this worship song. Because it might have nothing to do with the sermon. But there's this worship song and this one line in the worship song. And it just gets you. And you grab a hold of that. And you hang on to that for the next week. And then you walk in. And, right, and then you're, you're here again. And all of a sudden it is a scripture that's said. Or it's an illustration. And you grab a hold of that. And you hang on to it. Because here's one thing I know. One thing I know is that your, your marriage could have been divorced 10 years ago. I've watched the mar- marriages that were divorced 10 years ago be restored. I've watched wayward sons come back home. I've watched daughters who have gone off the deep end come back home. I've watched God provide. I've watched God heal broken hearts. I've watched God mend wounds that came from 20 years ago. I've watched God mend them. Why? Because he's in the boat with you. and doesn't matter what the storm looks like. You just got to keep Hanging on because Jesus said, I will take you to the other side. I am your breakthrough. I will see you through. That's who he is, guys. Now, what in the world am I going to say? No. I just really simply just want to end with this. What breakthrough do you need? I mean, Seriously. What breakthrough do you need? I think, like I jokingly talked about, if I'm in the middle of the storm and Jesus got out of the boat and, and he's walking away from me, which is never going to happen, then I would freak out. But really what happens more often than not is that Jesus was with us in the midst of that storm and we're the ones that bailed. We freaked out. We got out of the boat. And now we're off drifting by ourselves, And we walked away from him. And today, what I'm going to do is this. It's going to be a little different. But if you need a breakthrough at any of our campuses, you need a spiritual breakthrough, here's what we need to do. We need to come back. We need to get back in the boat with Jesus, meaning we need to get back in alignment with him. Jesus, I'm going to start trusting you again. I haven't been trusting you, but I'm going to trust you. Jesus, I haven't been running to you like I ought to be running to you for this breakthrough in my life. I'm going to start running to you. Okay? And for some of you, you just got to get back in the boat. For, for others of you, what, what you were going through, it seems like it just has evaporated. It just blew up. And maybe right now, all you have to hang on to is that one scripture. And, and what I'm going to do today is this. As we prepare to worship at all of our campuses... I'm just going to invite you to do something in Ogallala, North Platte, and here at the Carney campus. And online, you'll, you'll have to figure out what this looks like for you at your own home. But for some of you, you need to get back in the boat with Jesus, or you're not going to see the breakthrough. And so we're going to make a physical move today that represents a spiritual action. And the physical move is we're going to make a move to the front. If you need breakthrough, spiritual breakthrough in your life, relational breakthrough, um, a mental breakthrough, an emotional breakthrough, you need a breakthrough in your life and you need to get back in the boat with Jesus, then in a moment I'm, gonna let, I'm just going to invite you to come and stand up here in the front. That's going to be you, getting out of where you're at, going, Jesus, I'm getting back into alignment with you. 
For others of you, everything's blown up, everything's eviscerated, and all you have to hang on to is one piece of driftwood. That's all you got. You got one piece. And if that's where you're at in life, man, we want to rally with you. Right? We're not going to be a church that says to you, go, go, go walk out your difficult days by yourself. We want to walk with you. We want to love you. We want you to know that you're not alone. You might feel like you're drifting in the ocean and there's no one around, but there's many of us drifting in the ocean, hanging on to one piece of scripture, hanging on to one truth, hanging on to one relationship. And so I want you to feel free. I want you to get up out of your seat and I want you to come and I want you to stand with us here as well. And then what will happen is as worship goes on, okay, then I'm gonna, as, as worship goes on, we're going to get past the first song. We're just going to let the first song be the first song. But during the second song, I want some of you just to make your way and come, and I want you to start praying with some of these that are up here. See, sometimes people respond to our altars, and we're too quick to respond to them. They, they need time just to be with Jesus. Now, everybody that responds to the altar wants 20 people come, coming in and gathering around them, right? So I just gave you your way out, by the way. If you, if you don't feel comfortable with people coming and praying with you, then right as that second song starts, you're going to make your way back to your seat. You see what I did for you? I wouldn't recommend that. I would not recommend that. Okay? But th that's what we're going to do. So why don't you stand with me at all of our campuses? I'm going to pray. As I'm praying, if you need to get back in the boat with Jesus, you've abandoned it. You've walked away. could be you walked away relationally from him, or you just walked away because you took control of the situation. I want you to come. And if you're hanging on to this, that one piece, and you're not going to hang on alone any, any longer, right? And so I want you to come. And we're just going to spend some time worshiping Jesus. He's our solution. He's our answer. And then we're going to have an opportunity to pray with each other, all right? So, guys, don't be afraid. You're going to feel like I'm the only one moving. No, while we're praying, you're moving, all right? Come on, let's do this. Father, thank you for today. Thank you that your word is true. Lord, thank you that even though we walk through crazy moments and crazy times, uh, Lord, you're there with us. And, Lord, many times we just need to get back in the boat with you. Many times, God, that's what it is. We want spiritual breakthrough. we got to get in alignment with you. If we want spiritual breakthrough, God, we've got to be... We got to be connected to you, Lord. And so I know what it, I know what it's like, God, to be adrift and feel like I only got one piece of of word to hang on to, or I got one thing of hope to hang on to. I know what that feels like. And, and today, Lord, would you give hope to our church at all of our campuses as people are re, as people respond? Would you give hope to them? Would you give a promise to them? And may we believe your promises because if we hang on to your promises, we're going to see spiritual breakthrough. So, Lord, I pray for that at all of our churches, Lord, at all of our campuses. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, guys, look, take me up on it, all right? Tell me, I'm going to tell you right now, you want to see spiritual breakthrough, you make a move, and God's going to do something amazing in your life, all right? So come on, let's make that move.